Welcome to the Valley Beit Midrash podcast, a program of Valley Beit Midrash, a global center of learning and action. We're bringing you the best in diverse, pluralistic Jewish wisdom, all with the goal of improving lives in our global community. I'm Rabbi Shmuley Yanklowitz. Let's get started. Friends, Misha Nichnas Adar Marbim Besimcha. We enter the month of Adar and we increase joy. Now, it's not a descriptive statement that joy is naturally increased. It's a prescriptive statement that we should actively increase joy together. And so we are going to learn today, tonight in Israel, the significance of the mitzvot of Purim in our lives today. Because Purim is next week, I want to make a pitch that if you are local, you are local. We welcome you to our first in-person Purim festivities. We hope you'll join us next week for Megillah and for family activities um, and dinner and dessert and chesed projects uh, for the homeless um, and a rally, a Jewish solidarity rally, many good things. And if you're not in town, then we're going to learn together and be together in spirit. We're happy to be back with Rabbi Sharona Halakman in Jerusalem. She holds a BA in Judaic Studies from Stern College and an MS in Jewish Education from Azrieli Graduate School, Yeshiva University. Sharona was the first Orthodox woman to serve as a member of clergy at the first congregational, as the first congregational intern and first Madricha Ruchanit at the Hebrew Institute of Riverdale, New York. After making Aliyah in 2004, she founded Torah Reva Yerushalayim a nonprofit organization based in Jerusalem, which provides Torah study groups for students of all ages and backgrounds. We always enjoy learning with Rabbanit Sharona Halakman. Today, the significance of the mitzvot of Purim in our lives. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Um, so this is a really, if you see a lot of junk in the background here, it's because I'm in the middle of preparing um, 300 packages for the elderly in nursing homes. Uh, nine giant packages for the soldiers over the border, uh, border patrol, plus uh, Mishloch Manot for people that want to send for friends and family. So our entire house is just packed with stuff and, um, and we're getting really excited about the holiday. And I want to show you really what the significance of, of these mitzvot are in our lives today. It's very nice that we're going to see a list of mitzvot laws and customs that are done on the holiday, but how do they really relate to, um, to social justice. And, I, and I, I know that Rav Shmuley has a lot of fun things planned. So hopefully this will get you really more, uh, more involved and understanding why, uh, why he has these events planned and why it's important to take, to take part. So first let's just look for a minute at the mitzvot of Purim and then we're going to focus on the ones that, um, that are involved with social action. Okay, so first of all, we have the, the, reading, the reading of the Megillah, of Megillah Esther, both in the morning and the evening, um, the evening before and the morning after. And the reason for that is to publicize the miracle. The holiday of, um, of Purim really comes from a story that does not take place in the land of Israel. So there's no Hallel. The Hallel prayer, which is said on most holidays because they took place in Israel, does not apply. And therefore, um, we don't have Hallel, but we do have the, the reading of the Megillah. And it's important to know the story in order to know what we're celebrating. So that's also very important. Um, we say the al just like we do on Hanukkah. Um, and we send Mishloch Manot gifts to friends. And we're going to see why that is so important. Um, and Matanot Levionim, gifts to the poor. We have a meal, right, a seuda, which includes bread and wine, right, which is part of the Mishteh. 
being happy is a, it's a mitzvah on Purim just to be happy. So it's important uh, to find ways to be happy. And for different people, that's different things. For some people, that's wine. For some people, that's meat. For some people, that's beans, right? <laughs> Whatever makes you happy. Um, you should do on that day. And there's also the custom of giving the machatzit hashekel, the half shekel um, coin. Now, before the holiday, we also have mitzvot. So what happens is this holiday, which is which is really a one-day holiday, becomes a much longer holiday because we have a lot of things that we do to prepare. Uh, for example, this Shabbat is already Shabbat Zachor, right? We have to hear about Amalek. We have to hear who Haman comes from, right? Who our enemies are. And this way we'll know who our friends are and who our enemies are. So we have to get that out of the way first. We also have to fast the day before so that we, we have this feeling of what the Jewish people felt when they thought that they were gonna be totally obliterated. And once we, we get, get over the hard day, then we party. And in Israel, in the modern state of Israel, when they established the modern state, they decided that Yom HaZikaron would be the day before that we would, we would remember the soldiers that were killed as well as citizens that were killed in terrorist attacks in order to feel the pain uh, before, um, before the celebration, right? Before we have fun, we have to remember our history. Uh, and then of course we have the fun things. We have the costumes, we have the groggers and the groggers are also part of that obliterating Amalek, remembering who our enemies are. And the costumes are part of Vinahafoku. So we're gonna start with this idea of Vinahafoku, how everything turned around, right? What was gonna happen? All the Jews were supposed to be killed, men, women, and children on the same day, okay? So this is worse than any anti-Semitism that we've seen throughout Jewish history, because even when we see anti-Semitism, it doesn't happen all on one day. Right? And it doesn't happen in 127 countries at the same time. So this is worse than anything we've ever, it could have been worse than anything we ever experienced, but thank God, Vinahafoku, everything, um, everything changed around, right? When Hama, when, when, and we're basically fast forwarding in the Megillah to chapter eight, and we'll go back a little bit to the earlier parts later. But, um, but what happens is that, um, that once Achashverosh understands from Esther that Haman is the bad guy and Haman is after her because she is Jewish also, right? Haman is then decreed to be killed and Mordechai is now going to be the second in command and Esther is going to inherit um, Haman's house which she's going to give to Mordechai and everything's gonna be great except for one thing, right? The, the, the edict is still in place. The edict that every Jewish person is to be killed on the 13th of Adar, that continues. So what is the celebration? The celebration is now the Jews are gonna be allowed to fight back, right? If you're gonna attack a Jew on the 13th, you have to understand that they will fight back and you may be killed. So this is the Nahapogu, everything is being turned around. Um, and we see this here in chapter eight, and every, in every province, in every city. Um, all 127 countries, there's happiness now because they understand that they can fight back. Right, they're, they're gonna party, they're gonna have a holiday. Right, people actually want to convert to Judaism now because they say, wait, we want to be with them. We don't want to be the ones that are the, that are the enemies that they're going to kill. We want to be with them. We want to be with the good guys. So everything is turning around, right? From a day of destruction, it's going to turn into a holiday. 
Um, and then we see in chapter 10, in chapter 9, So Adar is the 12th month because we count from Nisan, right? In a couple of weeks, we're going to read HaChodesh HaZelachem. We're going to read Parshat HaChodesh, introducing us to the month of Nisan. And that is really the first month of the Jewish year, right? Even though we usually think Rosh Hashanah and Tishrei is, this is really the first month. So, so everything is counted according to, um, according to the, the months that the Jewish people left Egypt, okay? So Adar would be the 12th month. And because they were in Persia, who went by the Babylonian calendar, it's also called Adar. And you, you only see the months being called um, in this way in the last books of the Tanakh, because before that, they were just called the first month from Exodus, the second month. So here we are in the 12th month um, from the Exodus. So that's Adar, the 13th day of that month. Uh, on that day, everything turned opposite, right? Instead of our enemies being in charge of us, we're going to be in charge of them. We have the upper hand. And this is the Nahafoku. This is everything is changed. Everything is switched around. And that's why in this day, you're going to see Superman and Batman walking down your street, which you wouldn't see on a regular day because the Nahafoku, everybody's acting totally different from their regular selves. Um, and we see in the Midrash in Tanhuma, Yom Haknisa. What is this gathering day? Yom Hakihila. This is the day of community. On the 13th of Adar, Yom Kihila, it was a, it was a gathering day. Because what does it say? Adar, on, on the in the month of Adar, on the 13th day, right? What the next verse says is The Jews got together, they gathered in their cities. Um, they set they set up a fast day on the 13th of Adar. About Abasar, Yom Tov. He who okay, so the 13th, yes, it is a day of sadness of fasting, right? Because so many people had to be killed on that day, but then already on the 14th, we celebrate, right? And that's people never understand Israelis, right? How can you be so steeped in sadness and then switch over so quickly, right? But because we were able to do it with Purim, that's how they're able to do it with Yom Hatzmo with Israel Independence Day as well. And you also see, which is really like something you never see anywhere else, you see. God forbid there's a terrorist attack. Let's say a shoe store is blown up. God forbid. The next day it's rebuilt. The glass is back. People are shopping. Everybody's there, right? In contrast with, um, with the US, with the World Trade Center, it took years and years and years just to come up with a plan how we're going to redo, right? But Israelis are just, here we are. Next day, we're back to normal. That's, that's, it's just in, in our blood. Um, so we see that this the Nahafoku has happened a few times, right? Haman wanted to destroy the Jews, right? And the opposite happened, right? Balak and Bilam, right? They wanted to kill the Jewish people. They wanted to curse the Jewish people, right? And God didn't go along with it, so it didn't happen. Um, okay, so now we see in, in Esther chapter 9, Al-Ken ha-Yehudim ha-Pruzim, okay, so the Jews that are in the open cities, so the open cities that did not have walls, um, they only needed one day to do the fighting. However, the walled cities, such as um, in Shushan Habiran, the capital, which was a walled city, it took an extra day. So they couldn't celebrate until the 15th. 
Now, until today, we have this, this is really the obligation. If you live in a walled city from the time of Joshua, you only celebrate on the 14th at night and the 15th. And if you live in a regular city like Scottsdale, Arizona, you celebrate on the 14th. So, um, so we in Jerusalem actually wait an extra day. We see our feed on social media with all of our friends in New York dressed up in their costume. And we have to sit around and wait another day because of this to remember that it took them an extra day to fight. And we have to respect that uh, lives were lost and that we have to respect, respect that as well and wait that extra day. Okay, and what do we do? We celebrate by having um, simcha, happiness, okay? Mishta, party, with drinking. Yom Tov, holiday. And we're gonna see if it's possible even to introduce a full holiday at this time, because this is really the end of the Tanakh already. It's after the Torah was fully established. Um, and, and what else? Mishloch manot ish l'rehu, and sending gifts to their friends. So Mordechai wrote this down. This information was sent to all of the Jews and all of the provinces, and that, that they should celebrate this holiday on the 14th and on the 15th, respectively. Um, okay, and, and what's the reason? When they rested from their enemies, right? That is when Okay, everything switched over from yagon simcha, from sadness to happiness, from mourning to holiday. Again, we'll see what this holiday is. Days of partying, simcha and happiness. Sending gifts to your friends. We see an extra thing added here, gifts to the poor, which we didn't see um, in the other verse. Mordechai Elam, and everybody took this on, right? Mordechai came up with this, and everybody took this on. Now, the problem is that you can't really make a new holiday, right? You can make a holiday, but you can't make a Yom Tov, right? A Yom Tov when we don't use fire, right? And all of, all of the restrictions of Yom Tov, you can't really impose that on people, but you can make a holiday in a different way. And that's why they added all of these different types of, of things that we don't always have on other holidays. Um, so the Rabbag says, So this is the Farsemhanes. This is to publicize the miracle, just like we said earlier about reading the Megillah in a, in a group, publicizes the miracle. Um, right, everything started because of parties, right? If you if you remember the Megillah, it starts off with the party with Akashvero. She's having all these parties that last forever, right? And then you have Esther inviting Haman and Akashvero to a party, and at that party, she's going to explain to him that basically, um, you know, once they've dr drank a lot, she's going to explain to him that this guy wants to kill her because she's part of the nation that's going to be killed, right? So everything unravels, right? Ravels and unravels at these parties. So it only makes sense, right? If they're always drinking, they're always partying, that we should do the same thing, but in the opposite way. Not just party to get drunk and get crazy, but to party for the reason of the mitzvah. And that's why there's so many mitzvot involved. It's not just getting drunk. It's just similar to New Year's Eve also, right? New Year's Eve, secular New Year's Eve, it's just getting drunk. And when you think about Rosh Hashanah, there's so much more, right? There's so much more to it than that. It's a much deeper, uh, much deeper idea. Um, okay, so, so this idea was that we have to celebrate with parties as well. Uh, right, eat a lot, drink a lot. 
um, and have and have a party and have a seuda, right? The seuda, the meal, the official meal is during the day, um, but at night you can also have a party, but just don't miss the one during the day. Um, and this is similar to what Akashverosh did. He was always partying. And we see that God um, switched everything from Yagon Lesimcha, from sadness to happiness, just like their party started out not so good, right? We say that they used the vessels that were taken from the destruction of the temple. They used them in, 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 the, um, in the parties that Akashverosh had. So this switches everything over. So they couldn't take upon themselves this being an official holiday like Sukkot, Shavuot, etc. But it's still a holiday in a different way with a different list of rules. Um, and the Malvim says um, that this is when this is the month when everything transformed. And that's why we say that that Adar is a good luck month, right? We say the month of Av, right? The month of Tisha B'Av, the month of destruction is a bad luck month. And we say that that, that Adar is a good luck right we're happy we do we do a lot of fun things this month and a lot of they say to make you know good good business arrangements in this month too um okay so what were the two things that were from sadness to happiness and from morning to holiday okay so because we can't establish an official holiday on this day what could we do right holidays are about mitzvot right so we can't have Yom Tov officially, but what can we do? We can do mitzvah. And one of those mitzvot is giving tzedakah. And that's why it was important that they added in at the end, giving matanot levionim, giving friends, um, giving poor people food, right? Not just friends from Mishloch but giving to the poor, not forgetting about those that are less fortunate, right? How are they going to have a fun holiday if they don't have anything to to have with their meal, right? If they don't have anything to eat. So that's important. We don't just think of ourselves we have to think about, uh, about unity. And we're going to see here that really what Haman wanted to do was take away our unity or to prove that we don't have any unity. And then Esther brought back our unity and we have to bring back unity in the Jewish people today. So what do we see here in chapter three, if we're re re rewinding now to when Haman came up with his plan, what's his excuse? Haman said Mifurad. There's a certain people and they're scattered and they're dispersed. They're all over the place in all the nations. They're in all the different parts of your kingdom. And they're different. Their, their religion is different. Right? They're not following what, what, what the king says, right? Therefore, I'm going to pay you off to kill them, right? So this is an idea. He's saying, well, they're not united. So therefore, what, what do we need them for, right? So now Mordechai and Esther are going to switch that around. Mordechai says to Esther, don't think that you can hide out in the palace. You are Jewish just like the rest of us. You have to unite with us, you have to bring us together, right? If you're going to be quiet and not help out, and you're the queen and you have the power, the Jews are going to be helped from somewhere else, right? God is going to save us, but we have to find that unity. If you're going to stay out of it, somebody else is going to help us, right? And you're going to you're going to lose out. And who knows? Maybe you're the queen because we needed you there at that moment. We need a Jewish person there to help unite and save us. 
Go and bring all of the Jews together, right? This is the opposite of Haman that said, oh, the Jews are all scattered around. She's saying, let's go and bring them together. Let's bring them all together in Shushan. You have to fast for three days. Now, this is not the fast of Esther, right? The fast of Esther that we have on the 13th of Adar, the day before Purim, is just to remember the wars that went on. Her fast, believe it or not, is on the most celebrated of all Jewish holidays, right? They didn't have, they didn't have fun if it ever. <laughs> so what was the most celebrated by them? Pesach. They fasted on the Seder night. Can you imagine? It was such dire straits that they fasted on the Seder night, and they fasted for three days, right? When we get to the end of Yom Kippur, we're like, few, right? Imagine three of those in a row, okay? So that was that was pretty bad. Um, and what does she say? She's going to fast, right? Even though she's the queen, right? Ani, v'na'a roti, assume we're all going to fast. And, um, and after the three days of fasting, that's when I'm going to be strengthened, and that's when I'm going to go to the king, right? At her weakest moment, actually, she's going to be... Um, She's going to be going to the king to beg, uh, to beg to save the people. Uh, now, what's interesting is that um, that this idea of Mishloch Manot, right? We don't see it anywhere else in the Tanakh except for one place, which is in the book of Nehemiah, right? Which takes place around the time of the of the Purim story. Also, has the exiles um, that had been in Babylonia and Persia. Or that, that already arrived back in Israel at this time. And what do we see? We see the exiles come back to Israel and they don't know how to celebrate the holidays anymore. They really lost in those 70 years of exile, they lost, they lost connection with the Jewish holidays, right? Um, and it's you know, similar to when Jewish people move, you know, especially Israelis, they move to a very small community somewhere that doesn't have a Jewish or Israeli population that they're used to. And they just start forgetting the, the Israeli and the Jewish holidays and they start celebrating what's there. And after 70 years, it's gone. So the people came back and they didn't remember anything. Um, so, so it says here, So he's trying to get them excited about celebrating Sukkot, right? So he says, go eat choice foods, drink really good stuff, okay? Right, and send Mishloch Manot, right? So this is the only other place in the Tanakh that we have this idea. And um, I found a really interesting thing that Professor Avraham Shalom Yehuda said that it was actually a Persian custom to send Mishloch Manot, to send gifts to friends, gifts of food to friends on their new year. So this is actually adapted from the Persian custom of celebrating the new year, which was brought over by Nehemiah into Sukkot. And then it was brought over, um, into Purim with Mordechai and Esther. And it was also interesting is after they established the state of Israel, one of the ideas was that Mishloch Manot should be given on Yom Ha'atzma'ut to make people have more joy. And somehow it never caught on, but we like to always bring these soldiers at the border patrol uh, packages on that day. And they are so happy. You really see that these packages mean a lot, uh, mean a lot to them. Okay, so then we see here um, in the in the Gemara and Megillah, it says that you should bring matanot levionim, um, tani rabbi Yosef, mishloch manot ish levehu. Okay, so what what are the obligations? Mishloch manot, you send gifts, a man to his friend, a person to their friend, which means two gifts to one friend. That means you only need one package of mishloch manot to give 
to a friend, okay? So, but, but with gifts to the poor, each package has to have two gifts of food to two different people, okay? So this is really interesting because the obligation is actually more for the matanot levionim, for the poor, than it is to giving to friends. But when we look today at our society, you know, a rich person has on their dining room table at the end of the day, a hundred packages, you know, and, and a poor person is lucky if one person or two people gave them. So we have to think of if we want to shift our priorities or just maybe add more of the matanot levionim, right? A lot of people really enjoy putting together the mishloch manot, right? We're going to see that there's an idea that yes, the more the merrier. You want to you want to make more great. It makes the mitzvah even nicer. But don't forget the poor at the same time. And Rashi says that manot are ma'adanim delicacies, right? In those days, first of all, they didn't have junk food packages. <laughs> they didn't have bags of potato chips and pretzels. They gave things that would go for the meal, right? Different types of uh, of dishes. Um, so let's see how the Rambam, how Maimonides characterizes what we have to observe. So he says, Mitzvah Yom Yudalid with Nekfarim. So this is celebrating Purim for the people who don't live in the walled cities, Gaya wrote, and the Yom Tevav with Nekfarim. And if you're in a walled city, it's on the 15th. Yom Simcha Mishta, happiness, partying, Mishloch Manok, gifts to friends, Lareim, Matanot Lav Yonim, and gifts to the poor. But you're allowed to do work. Right? We said it's not official Yom Tov, but better not work if you don't have to. Now, of course, in Israel, this is a day that people understand that it's a holiday and you can take it off. But when you're outside of Israel and you're already taking off so many days for the Jewish holidays, it's a lot more difficult. So if you do have to work, you just kind of figure out, I have to figure out how to get all these other mitzvahs in you know, either go to the Megillah very early in the morning and have the feast when you get back or whatever it is, you have to, you have to work it out. But it's definitely understandable that if somebody is living in a place where they just don't have enough vacation days that they would have to go to work, but you still want to make it into a holiday. Um, and then he, he brings in this idea that the Matanot Levionim and the Mishloch Manot should be brought on the day of Purim, during the day. But remember that in those days, they had a market day on Monday and Thursday, right? So oftentimes people only went into the city and saw poor people on a Monday or Thursday. So he said, if, if that was necessary, you could give that in advance. Um, but of course today we can give online, we can give donations that will be given on the day, right? We have much more flexibility. So if you can give on the day or have it, make sure that it's given on the day, that's, uh, that's the best way. And, um, if you only have the feast at night, it's not good enough. You have to have the feast also during the day. And again, any of these mitzvahs that you want to double up on, you can, you can do them a few times, but you have to at least do them once during the day. Uh, and then he says about what is what does the meal entail? What do, what do we have to serve? Okay, so in, in the days of the Rambam, obviously, Meat was, was a big delicacy and it was important to serve meat. Drink wine. Okay, so if you did drink wine and you got drunk, you should go right to sleep. In other words, there should be no opportunities, and there were no cars even in the days of the Rambam, but there should be no opportunities for people to be drunk drivers, right? If you're going to drink, you should be in a place where you can go to sleep. 
וכן חייב אדם לשלוח שתי מנות בשר או שני מיני תבשיל או שני מיני אוכלים לחברו. So it's important that when you send your משלוח מנות, it's two types of different types of food, okay? So it could be turkey and chicken, it could be apples and oranges, right? But it should be two different types of things, not just two pieces of chicken, okay? And this is really, you know, it's fun to get the packages. It enhances It enhances the holiday, it enhances your happiness. And he says, the more you want to send, the better, okay? And this is a really beautiful idea. Okay, so let's say somebody is very poor and they only have enough for their own meal. They can send their own meal to a friend and the friend will send their own meal back to them so that basically they gave their meal to their friend and their friend gave their meal to them. And this way, everybody still was able to participate in that. Um, and then it says, You have to give out um, charity to the poor on, on the day of Purim. And um, we shouldn't give less than two. And also if we see somebody on the street that that's poor on that day, we should really open up, open up our hands to them and you know not be stingy on that day. Now this is the most important uh, thing that the Rambam said that I think unfortunately a lot of people don't know about. It's more important to spend more money on the gifts that you're gonna give to the poor than all of your Mishloch Manod and your festive meal together. Okay, and I have a friend that actually said that she calculates every year how much she's going to spend on her meal and her mishloch manot, and then she gives more than that to charity, which I think is a really beautiful and honorable thing to do. There's nothing more special and happy than to make poor people happy, than to make orphans happy, widows happy, converts happy, strangers happy. Those that make the, 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 um, the people that are downtrodden happy, they are like the presence of God, okay? You cannot be on a higher level than that, okay? And that's really, really, uh, really important. And there are ways to do it. I heard that uh, Rav Shmuley was saying something about a homeless shelter, right? So that is what you need to do. You need to get out there and remember this mitzvah because we can't have happiness unless we know that others are happy too, right? And it can bring so much joy, uh, so much joy to people, you know, to go into hospitals, to go, to go. Uh, I know Rav Shmuley does a lot of work with the refugees now. We're going to have a lot more refugees here in Jerusalem. There are places uh, that we can help. We can make people happy people that don't have uh that don't have a lot um okay so this is an honor for shmuley okay because we said that uh the rambam said that you're supposed to have meat so the question is what do you do if you're a vegetarian or a vegan so if you think about what esther ate in the palace right the gemara and megillah asks if she uh if she actually ate the meat right there's actually an opinion there that she ate bacon in the in the palace and then there's another opinion that says no 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 she ate she ate seeds, that she was actually a vegetarian or a vegan, and nobody's going to start off with the queen. If she says, I want the vegan diet, you're going to give it to me. So if you want the vegan diet, you know, you're a king or queen on that day, you can have what you want to. So the idea is, if you love meat, eat meat. If you love seeds, eat seeds. If you love wine, drink wine. If you don't, have grape juice, right? There's no, uh, 
there's no reason to, it's not gonna make you happy to eat stuff that, that you're not interested in. Um, okay, so then we see uh, in, in the Shulchan Aruch, kol adam matanot right? So two, uh, two for two, and the question is who was really a poor person today, right? In the old days, it was somebody that didn't even have bread or water, right? Today, if somebody has bread and water, it doesn't mean that that's enough for them. If somebody has one outfit, it doesn't mean that's enough. Even if they have three, four outfits today, that doesn't mean that it's enough, right? So we have to really think of what the standard of living is and help people reach that standard of living. And even if they would have a very basic meal on a regular day and be satisfied, on Purim, we want it to be a suda. We want to elevate the meal, both for the anim, for the poor people, and also for the, for the regular people, right? That, that um, you know, there might be a, a fancy wine that you wouldn't have bought for yourself, but if a friend comes to your suda, comes to your meal and brings it or gives it to you from a shloch manot, it will enhance your day, right? Most people don't buy for a fancy box of chocolates for themselves, right? But if they get it for a present, they really appreciate it. So there are things like that that just kind of step up your holiday um, just a little bit because people are thinking about you and are helping you out. Um, so the uh, so the halacha in the, the Jewish law in the in the Shulchan Aruch says Chayav lishloch manot basar o ochlim. Okay, so it could be meat, but it could be something else. Uh, because it says mishloch manot to, to your friend two manot two uh, two portions, uh, and then we see again right? That's also what the Rambam said. The more the merrier. But the question is, you know, should we should we overdo it, right? And how much is overdoing it, right? Is you know is giving two hundred people overdoing it? Are other people going to feel that they also have to give 200 people? Maybe they can't afford to, right? So we have to keep that in mind also. And if you're always trying to outdo yourself every year, and there's the keeping up of the Joneses, you know, uh, scenario, then that could be an issue. I know that here in Jerusalem, people are very laid back, you know, people just kind of put together a little bottle of grape juice, a couple of snacks, leave it for their neighbors. And then once in a while you have, you know, I have a friend who's a pastry chef and she makes amazing things and we're always excited about her package but she doesn't expect us to give her anything like that in return she knows what we give we know what she gives and everybody is happy with that so that is the best way to do it not to make people feel that they have to keep up with the joneses but some people just love doing it not not because they're looking for anything uh anything in return um so we said before was that if you don't have enough money that you can send your meal to somebody and they can send their meal back to you um, and then, of course, the Ramah brings up that this is also a mitzvah, right? A woman also has to um, participate in the mitzvah of Mishloach Manot. But we don't want to be in a situation where, where a man sends a woman who, who let's say, is a, wood, a widow or a single woman, he sends her Mishloach Manot, and for some reason, it seems like they're engaged, right? So we have to be very careful about that, about giving presents that may seem like, like they're, uh, they're getting engaged, right? Which halakhically, even giving a gift could make you married to somebody. So we have to be very careful with that. Um, but, um, but in general, what do we see is that women were involved in the miracle because first of all, women were in danger. Haman wanted to kill men, women, children. He didn't care as long as you were Jewish, you were killed. So that was one, one aspect. And also Esther saved the day, right? Esther was the heroine of the story. So she is involved in all of the, the, the mitzvot and all the mitzvot that we listed, Mishloch Manot, Matanot Levionim, the meal, right? All of those things, uh, the woman uh, and, and the hearing of the, uh, the Megillah, a woman also has to be involved in. 
Um, okay, so this is interesting. The Mishnah Brewer brings up that Shema to note two gifts, right? So we have to um, we have to give two aniim. We have to give two poor people, but only one friend. Okay, and the idea is really because a friend that has the money to buy their own stuff, they can deal with just getting one package, but poor people really need it. Okay, so that's also something to keep in mind when you're making packages or you're setting aside money for the poor. What you know, what what people um, what people should be getting and what people uh, really need. Okay. Um, Okay, and then the Mishnah Brewer points out also that it's mine So it's not other gifts. Even though we call them gifts, we're really talking about food. Okay, and this is um, this is important. But if you want to throw in other stuff, you know, people throw in a grog or they throw in a mug, they throw in a basket, they throw in other things. But the main thing is that it has to be food and it has to be cooked. Okay, it shouldn't be raw meat, for example. Um, although they say that maybe it could be raw meat as long as it's shafted, right? So if it's brought, you know, you're not bringing somebody a cow, right? <laughs> you know, here's your mishloch one hour, you know, your dinner for the next three months. Like, you know, you don't bring them a cow, but if the, if the cow has already been slaughtered, then that could be possible because it's technically ready to eat. But thank God we don't see that today. People give you cooked food already and it's, uh, it's something that's great because you also, you know, you're running around all day delivering all the packages and then it's nice to have something ready-made to you when you get home, as opposed to starting to deal with um, to deal with cooking from scratch. So that's also um, that's also something important. Um, okay, so um, so if you um, if you want to give more, that's totally fine. If you don't want to give more and you just want to give one to to a friend, that's also fine, right? So that's. Um, you, you know, you don't have to feel overwhelmed, right? But certainly if you want to, if you want to add more, you can even give the night before, right? But, but the mitzvah is during the day. And, and even though you want to give other gifts with it, the food has to be two items. And, um, and also we see that the women took on the mitzvah, right? Because it says, uh, all of the Jews took on this holiday. It doesn't say that just the men took on this holiday. Everybody uh, took, took on the holiday. Um, okay, so so it says in the Biur Halacha, Chayav Lishloch Chaviro, Hachayei Adam Hochiach Min Hayirushalmi. Okay, so we're going to look at the Yerushalmi, the Jerusalem Talmud, in a minute to see a very interesting idea. Im Sholech LaAshir Davar Pachot Eino Yotzeh. If you're going to send a rich person something, it should be to their level. Okay, so if you have an important person, okay, for example. I've heard that you had some important lecturers recently. Okay, you're not going to give them a bag of popcorn and a box of raisins. Okay, like you would give your kindergartner to bring to, to school. <laughs> you, you're going to give them a bottle of wine, or you're going to give them a cake, or you're going to give them nice cupcakes. Or, you know, and something that that is a respectable thing for them. And that's that's I think that's very important to keep in mind because you want them to feel that this is something that respects them. When you give somebody a gift, it should be some, something that, that respects them. Um, and, you, and it's saying that you wouldn't even fulfill the mitzvah if you give something, somebody something that is not respectful to them. Um, we're going to see the Gemara in a minute to see where this comes from. So even though we only see this mentioned in one place, Still, it's something really to keep in mind, right? Like, is this is this becoming of the person that I'm giving it to or not? Okay, so let's take a look 
at the Gemara, and we're going to see some very interesting things here about what people thought of each other's Mishloch Manot, even back then. Okay, so we see that um, Rabbi Huda Nasi sent Rabbi Hoshaya the leg of a third born calf and a jug of wine. So just a piece of the calf. Okay, so Rabbi Hoshaya sent him back. You fulfilled two mitzvot, okay, the mitzvah of, of um, Mishloch Manot and Matanot Lavioni. Okay, so what we see from here um, is, that, is that he kind of felt like, like because it was a small piece, that he was acting as if it was Matanot Lavioni that he was giving to the. Uh, now, it's told differently here in the Jerusalem Talmud. Um, Rabbi Yudha Nasi sent Rabbi Hoshaya a roast and a pitcher of wine. Uh, he sent and told him, you fulfill the, mit the mitzvah of gifts of the needy, okay, which means that having just a small piece of meat and a, a pitcher of wine was, was okay for Matanot Levinim, but then he sent him a calf, right, an entire calf, <laughs> and a, ba a barrel of wine, not just a pitcher of wine, an entire barrel of wine, okay, like in the, if you ever go to a winery in Israel, we have lots and lots of wineries, see these massive barrels, okay, so this is a whole different gift, wow, if I, if I, if I got a barrel of wine and an entire calf on my doorstep, I'd be, whoa, this guy is really, really respectful. Um, so then he says, wow, you sent Mishloch Manot, right? So we can see that there was a difference in sending the Matanot Lepionim and sending the, uh, the Mishloch Manot. Um, so that's, that's the difference in the Gemara there. Now we see some other interesting stories in the Gemara. Uh, Rabba sent Purim portions to Mare Barmar in the hands of Abaye. Okay, so Abaye was like the delivery guy. Uh, and what was in there? A sack full of dates and a cup full of roasted flour. Abaye said to him, now Mari will say, even if a farmer becomes the king, the basket does not descend from his neck. Right, uh, Rava was named the head of the yeshiva in Pumbadita, but still he sent very plain gifts because he was poor. Okay, now what is this? What is this Mishloch Manot? It sounds like that cereal, right? Um, honey snacks, right? You have those puffed wheat, <laughs> puffed wheat, okay, and dates, right? What kind of gift is that, right? <laughs> um, but on the other hand, if it's from somebody poor, you have to say, wow, you know, I appreciate that. Or he grew up poor. And he just assumed that that's what you get from Mishloch Manot, and he just continued doing that. Uh, here's another story. Mare Barmar sent back to Rava. Okay, so now, now, right, like usually what happens is you give somebody Mishloch Manot, and they give you back, okay? So what did he send? Um, a sack full of ginger and a cup of long peppers, okay? Uh, so this is a much more expensive gift. And Abayi said, um, the master Rabba will now say, I sent him sweet items and he sent me pungent. Oh my gosh, like I sent a cheap thing, he sent an expensive thing, right? The thoughts that we have today are exactly like, uh, like what they thought in the days of the Gemara, right? They're critiquing everybody's basket and what was in there. Uh, now here's a funny part of the story. So Abai said, when I left the house, okay, uh, I was already satiated, I wasn't hungry, but when I arrived there, they served me 60 plates of 60 kinds of cooked dishes and I ate 60 portions from each of them, okay? So this sounds like, you know, you're not so hungry, you go to a hotel, they have an all-you-can-eat buffet, and then all of a sudden, you're just eating and eating. <laughs> and the last dish was pot roast, and um, I was so hungry that I even wanted to eat my plate after, right? <laughs> he was really getting into this all-you-can-eat uh, all um, thing. Uh, and then he says, um, this explains the saying that people say the poor man is, uh, is hungry and doesn't even know it, right? Once he gets into the meal, he gets really into it. And another way of looking at it is that there's room in the stomach for sweets, right? You always have room for dessert, right? <laughs> so this concept already goes back to the Gemara and Megillah, right? We think we're not hungry. We go to a party with great food. We seem to eat a lot. 
we think we don't have room for dessert. We find room for dessert. Um, okay, and then we see that um, Abaye um, Bar Avin and Rabbi Hanina Bar Avin would exchange their meals with each other. Okay, so what does this mean? Does this mean, like we said before, that one would just, because they were so poor, one would give his meal to the other, and then the other would give his meal to him? Um, or does it mean, like Rashi said, that they would switch off every year, right? So one, one year, one would provide the meal, so he would, he would put the effort in to spend a lot of money and make the meal, and then the next year, the other one would spend, okay? But we see that there are ways that people go overboard in spending, and there are people that do it more modestly. Um, and we have... Um, we, we have questions today. Are the Mishloch Mano getting out of hand, right? You have people that go with themes today, okay? So what does a theme mean? For example, somebody decides, okay, we're gonna dress up like the United Postal Service delivery people, okay? And we're gonna put our Mishloch Mano in a package that looks like a UPS package. Very nice, okay, that's, that's okay. I don't have a problem with that. But then they're gonna rent a UPS delivery truck to deliver all around the neighborhood and they're gonna bring it to all of their neighbors. Okay, so this is already what some would think of as a step too far, right? It, is, it sounds like a lot of fun to get the package, but if there's somebody that feels the peer pressure that they too are gonna to have to give the package, then that could be, uh, that could be a, little bit, um, a little bit overwhelming. So I think that that's something that has to be thought over as far as the community. I know that here in Israel, the rabbis from Sohar recommended because the, the food is supposed to really go up for Pesach, the prices of the Pesach food are really supposed to go up. They say, you know what, save money on the Mishloch Manot and save your money for Pesach and just give the minimum. But you know what, that also ruins the holiday, right? The kids want to give their friends, the kids want to be home and, and get packages. Adults also like that. I like getting packages. Um, some synagogues will do a, a program where you check off names of people that you want to give to. And, um, and then they send one package with all the names of people that contributed so you know who would have sent you a package. But then you lose out because you only end up with one package. You don't get to see your friends. You don't get to prepare for your friends. You know, it's missing, it's missing a little bit. So the question is how to find a balance where you can have nice, well done, um, you know, pretty little packages, but not break the bank and still have, have that feeling of the day, right? So that's really, that's really what we have to, uh, work on right now. Um, there's something also beautiful that I saw advertised the other day, which was a party, a perm party, that's being sponsored by uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, making sure that no alcohol will be served, but making sure that those people that still want to party but, but aren't able to drink can still be involved, right? So we have to think a little bit out of the box to make sure that everybody's included, right? Those people that are alone, either have them at your communal meal or invite them to your private home or think of who may be alone, right? And who doesn't have anybody and who doesn't even get one package. I mean, you know, the people in the nursing homes, they don't get any packages, they don't get any visitors. So to get one means so much more to them than somebody that has 20 or 50. So I think there's a balance because you want to, on the one hand, you want to do the right thing socially, but you also want to do the right hand, the right thing, um, you know, as far as fulfilling the mitzvot. And you also want to make sure that you're happy and that your family's happy. Uh, so I think that we have a lot to learn from all of these different mitzvot. And, uh, and I hope that you'll take advantage of the opportunities that Rav Shmuley is giving you. He said he's also doing a rally, which reminds us of Esther gathering the Jews together, right? So these things are important and bring us back to the original story. Um, does anybody have any questions? Do you know of any organizations that we can donate to that send packages to 
either um, to Israeli soldiers or to um, people in Beirut, people in need. I'm sending packages to the senior citizens in the nursing homes as well as to the soldiers. So if you'd like to contribute, um, I can send Rev Shmuley a link to share uh, to share with the group. Be wonderful. Thank you very much. I'd like to give people who need in Israel. Thank you. Thank you. If you could put the whatever link you're referring to in the chat, that might be easier than communicating with folks later, if that's possible. Um, hold on. Yeah. Okay. So I just put the link. Thank you. Um, when you go to the homepage, there will be two links right on the top of the homepage to take you to the giving opportunities um, for the soldiers as well as for the elderly. Um, and it's really, I mean, the smiles on their faces, just you cannot compare with anything else. And uh, thank God my kids have grown up with knowing that this is just part of the day that we, you know, we spend the week before getting everything ready. And then on the day before we do anything fun, before we bring to our friends, we uh, we make sure that all, all of the soldiers and the elderly are taken care of. Do you want to share with us also some of the uh, organizations in Israel that feed um, that feed the hungry? That you so there's an, there's an amazing organization called Leket. Um, and the name is taken from um, one of the ways that in biblical days, um, the poor would be taken care of in the fields. That basically if a poor person needed food, they could go into the field and they could take what they need. Um, so this name was transferred over into an organization which basically takes from the fields anything that isn't going to go to a supermarket. And it's really interesting to see pictures that they have. For example, they have peppers, right? When you go to a supermarket, all the peppers look great, right? They're all you know, shaped in the same way, but there are all kinds of peppers that look like mutants, right? Like they look like they have um, a tail or a nose or, or just they're totally misshaped. Those can't go to the supermarkets, but they're fully, they're great. You can eat them, there's no problem. So things like that, that may look a little funny that the supermarkets won't take or just stuff that they're just not gonna be able to harvest in time. Um, all of those things are sent over to people that would otherwise not be able to buy fruits or vegetables. And in addition, they've also been preparing meals and especially during COVID, delivering them all over the country to make sure that people that can't get out are still able to have meals. So it's L-E-K-E-T, uh, like at Israel. And I know the founders actually, and it's just a great way uh, to help out. And also if you come to Israel, you can actually go into the fields with them and help them out. A lot of times there's just not enough time to harvest uh, what is needed before it goes bad. So that's also a great way to bring the biblical idea up into modern times and help help as many people as possible. You know, you don't have this problem in Israel, but over here we have to compete with something called Halloween, which you probably remember. And so we say to our nice little uh, Jewish kids, uh, the, you know, we've got our own little Jewish Halloween. But how do we add depth? Yes, there's costumes. Yes, there's treats. But how do we add more depth for children in this experience? So what's important, well, first of all, I just posted a picture yesterday on Facebook of uh, Toys R Us in Israel with all the perm costumes and how, you know, that's our holiday here. You know, this is it. The kids, every kid in Israel knows religious, secular, it doesn't matter. They all know perm is coming. They're all in Toys R Us getting, getting their stuff together. And every toy store has costumes. Um, so that's, that's important that first of all, it connects them to the holiday that they know that this is their Jewish holiday, but there's also the, the telling the story of the Megillah. There's understanding the story. There's teaching the story. What's crazy about Israel is that Purim is not just one day here from Rosh Kodesh Adar, from the first of Adar, the teachers in the nursery and kindergartens dress up the kids every day. 
Okay, so like one day your kid comes home as a traffic light and one day your kid comes home as an animal. <laughs> like Every day there, there's something else to really build up the anticipation. And they also decorate the classroom as Shushan Habira, right? The city of Shushan, that's their classroom, right? They come in and they're walking into a palace, right? And the teachers love to put up, you know, purple velvet on the walls and really make it feel uh, make it feel like it's a palace, and they 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 tell them the story. They really learn what the McGill is about. I know. I remember my um, my sons went to a British speaking uh, English speaking gone when they were two years old, a, a British nursery school where they're very well mannered. So the teacher says, "Oh, you know, Vashti was sent away. You know, she doesn't give all the details." <laughs> and then they go into three year nursery, and it's an Israeli gone, and they just tell them everything. <laughs> they, uh, they they don't hold anything back. Uh, so the Israeli kids really uh, they get to know the story early. They get to know the connection early. Um, and I think that that and it's permanent everywhere. It's in the streets. It's in the stores. The hamantashen already from from after um, after Chibushvat, you already start seeing the hamantashen in the stores. So everything is just is just out there. And I think that that's uh, that's a lot of fun. And they they really do connect. And it's also so different from Halloween because on Halloween a kid goes up to the house asks for treats. If the people won't give it to them, they egg their house. Even if they give it to them, they say thank you and they leave. But with the mishloch out. I bring to you, you bring to me. It's really a holiday, like we said in the beginning, of unity, of loving kindness. It's not just a one-way thing. But what I love is when they have cartoons on TV, you know, Dora the Explorer or Son SpongeBob or Arthur, and they're celebrating Halloween. When they dub it, they change it over to Purim. <laughs> so, uh, so those, those, you know, they'll be in the costumes, and Israeli kids won't know what Halloween. Most of them don't know what Halloween is. So when they dub it, they say that they're giving, uh, they're giving Amazing. Any last questions? Also, I'll tell you one, one really interesting thing is that um, I used to teach at a senior center, you know, like a day center where they would come in for different classes. So one of the classes was a Parshat HaShavuah class. And the week before Purim, I just was asking people where they come from. And there were six or seven people in the class that come from Shushan Habira. They actually come from Shushan where the Purim story takes place. So, you know, you always hear about these places, but to actually meet people that came from there and immigrated to Israel, I thought was just really, really powerful and, and to talk to them about the holiday. Amazing, amazing. Thank you so much. I love your pace of learning and the amount we can cover in an hour to learn about the mitzvot and the history and the background. It's always a delight. Thank you all so much for joining us. Wishing everyone a Purim Sameach, everyone a joyful Purim, where we can give back. It's great that holidays, sometimes we think of ourselves and the joy we experience, and that's part of it but also what we're going to give back to others. Thank you, Rabbi Sharona Halikman. Thank you always, Pam, for uh, running our wonderful programs. And thank you all so much for joining us. Thanks so much for coming. And remember, after you help others, you'll, your holiday will be so much more special and you know. insightful. So enjoy. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Valley Beit Midrash podcast. Remember that you can join our email list at valleybeitmidrash.org to stay up to date on new programs, learning opportunities, and more ways to stay connected. If you enjoyed learning with us today, support our work by making a donation at valleybatemadrash.org slash donate. Join us next time as we continue to work together to build a better world. Thanks for listening.